All right. All right, everybody, take your seats. In this episode, we're talking about discomfort. Take your seats, please. Hello, you are listening to the Change Academy podcast. I'm Monica Reinagel. And I'm Brock Armstrong. And this is a show about creating the life you want by harnessing your ability to change. We bring our expertise in nutrition, fitness, cognitive behavior theory, plus our experience coaching hundreds of clients and working on our our own lives to each and every episode. So thanks so much for joining us. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, an uncomfortable topic. And uh, yeah, it is exactly that. It is comfort versus discomfort and when it's appropriate and when it isn't. I mean, the question is, is comfort overrated? We humans, well, we like to be comfortable. That's why we invented houses with air conditioning and we invented good food and fancy restaurants and why we have best friends that we like to hang out with. We feel that making ourselves comfortable is a way to actually take care of ourselves and make ourselves feel happy and content. But is this desire helpful or is it actually a way to stay exactly where we are, stuck in whatever behaviors we are currently engaged in? So that's today's topic. But first, we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about some stuff that we're working on. Yeah, what are you working on, Brock? Well, the episode that the interview that you actually did with our very first Change Academy podcast guest, Rebecca Louise, got me thinking about some of my own behaviors. And she had one point that was specifically about when we go out and we look for some some advice or we read a book, get some advice from that or a podcast or whatever it happens to be, and we get really excited about it. Sometimes we don't actually apply that knowledge or apply that advice to our own lives and and follow through with it in any concrete kind of way. And I really took that to heart and I thought about my own life and some of the things that I've encountered in the last little while and may or may not have actually taken that advice, even if I was really excited about it. And as I was thinking about that, I've recently been spending a lot of time sort of thinking about finances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those times in my life, I guess, I'm in the process of buying a house and also nearing age 50 and all that kind of stuff and getting all my finances in order. And I suddenly remembered my financial advisor, who's actually a, just a good friend of mine that I've known since we were in our 20s. And uh, one day we were talking about our RSPs, which I, I believe you guys call 401ks in America, retirement savings, basically. And he gave me the advice that it's like, everybody's heard this advice, but to not just put all your money into retirement, but to actually enjoy your life right now and make sure that you're spending money on things that please you in the moment, not just constantly thinking about retirement because you never know what might happen. And even aside from that, you got to live a good life, not just have a good retirement. And I kind of realized in the last few years, I have really switched my focus, my saving focus, my um, spending focus on maximizing my retirement. So I'm going to take his advice and start spending a little more money and stop (laughs) saving so much and stop being so focused on being miserly with my pennies and actually, I don't know, make some big purchases. I've been looking at things like barbecues and a new vacuum cleaner. And I know these aren't super fun things, but at the same time, having a barbecue, I could actually put a steak and the corn on at the same time seems like such a luxury right now. So anyway, just... In terms of some of the best advice I got out of that interview you did with Rebecca Louise, that's what I'm applying to my own life, taking some advice and actually 
following through with it. Yeah, I think that's so common. We we get an idea, somebody gives us a piece of advice, and somehow we feel like we've gotten the payoff and we forget yeah. to actually put it into play. And we just move to collecting the next piece of information or the next bit of advice or researching the next project. And, you know, it can come to the point where all we're doing is researching and collecting information and gathering ideas, but not actually doing anything with any of them. So I thought that was great advice that she had. And I'm glad you're going to be buying yourself a barbecue. You deserve it. (laughs) And a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) We've had the same stupid vacuum cleaner for too long now. Well, if you guys do end up buying a house, figuring out what to spend your money on is not going to be your problem. (laughs) Trust me. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. All right. Well, let's jump into today's discussion about comfort. As you said, Brock, most of us place a certain amount of value on being comfortable. Seems like a good idea. And, you know, sometimes something that is comfortable for us is actually very pleasurable, like putting on your favorite comfy sweater on a cool day and snuggling into that, or or even the comfort of connecting with an old friend that no matter how long it's been since you've talked to them, you could just slip right into your conversation as if it were just yesterday. I mean, that's the kind of comfort that really is very pleasurable. But mm-hmm. sometimes the things that feel comfortable to us, they're not actually that pleasurable. They're just familiar. Like an example that I thought of was, you know, the way your family celebrates a certain holiday. You may not actually love it that much, but (laughs) that's what your family does. It's familiar and there's a certain comfort in just repeating those old patterns. But as we're going to talk about today, I think it's just really important to distinguish between those forms of comfort that are truly pleasurable and those that are simply familiar. And by the same token, something that we might feel is uncomfortable for us because it's unfamiliar could actually end up being very rewarding. But if we're not willing to be uncomfortable in that lack of familiarity, we'll never find out. So that's what I want to dig into today. I love the example of how your family celebrates a, a certain holiday or, or celebration thing. I was just thinking about like, how many people actually like turkey that much? Exactly. Exactly. Like, why have we made turkey into the meal all the time? Like in North America anyway, it's, it's not that good. I'd rather have a roast. Well, and I would not necessarily choose to spend an afternoon watching college football. But that's just what happens on Thanksgiving. And so there's a certain, you know, familiarity to it. But it's just, yeah. uh, it's important to to kind of examine those things, especially when it comes to things that we're avoiding, because they feel mm. uncomfortable, like, oh, I don't know, I just don't feel comfortable with that. Is that because it really just feels unknown and unfamiliar, because that sometimes is worth pushing through. Right. It's when the going gets tough or when things get kind of stressful or whatever, that's when we really fall back on those previous behaviors. Again, like you said, not because they're the right thing or because they make us actually happy or whatever. It's just because they're comfortable. And in that same thought, I think it's really important for us to learn how to recognize that and then embrace a certain amount of discomfort for a certain amount of time. Like the discomfort shouldn't last for too long, but you want to be able to embrace that discomfort until it becomes more and more comfortable Otherwise, we just keep repeating those same bad habits, especially when things get tough or things get stressful or we're tired or or whatever that happens to be. 
And then we just end up not making any any progress, not only on our goals, but just in our lives as interesting human beings. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, as I hear you talk about, you know, embracing discomfort, I want to make sure people don't think that we're saying you should endure pain. Yes. We're not really talking about embracing pain or, or putting up with pain, we're trying to draw that same sort of distinction. Is this really pleasurable or is it just familiar? And by the same token, is this really uncomfortable or is it just unfamiliar? And and making sure that we are distinguishing between those two, but not, no, not being in pain as some sort of badge of honor. That's certainly not what we're about. No. But, you know, I think that sometimes we can even get a sort of perverse satisfaction from the familiarity of a, a familiar disappointment, you know, mm. even just like confirming our own low expectations, you know, like you might think, yeah, that's how it always goes. I always choke in job interviews and I come across, mm. you know, badly and then I never get the offer. And that doesn't sound like it would feel very good. But maybe there's something comforting about being like, yep, I know this. This is how this goes. This is what I know about myself. Kind of confirms, you know, an identity, even if it's not one we're super thrilled about. And I think what's going on there in that kind of a situation is that maybe like actually getting a new job would be terrifying. I mean, talk about unfamiliar and unknown. But I think if you've ever felt a certain relief when you didn't end up getting something that you went after, what you might be feeling is the relief of not being pushed out of your comfort zone. All this talk about discomfort and when you were saying like, we don't want you to endure pain and and really a lot of this discomfort that we're talking about here is actually like a more of an emotional or a mental discomfort. Mm-hmm. But I was one of those people back in 2010 who got a standing desk. I was the first person in my office to to get a standing desk, and I made kind of a big deal about it because I'm the mm-hmm. I'm the movement and fitness guy. <laughs> right. And the reason I did it was because I realized that I was getting sleepy in the afternoon. I was the guy whose head was always bobbing at his desk. I'd stand up and have to like uh, unfurl my hip flexors and be really stiff, and my lower back was sore. Even my feet would fall asleep and stuff. So I knew there was actual biological stuff going on that wasn't good for myself. So got the standing workstation. And I got to say for the first few weeks, it was not comfortable. And so in in this terms, we're actually talking about mental, emotional, and physical discomfort, all the discomforts kicked in. Mm. But I decided to to persevere. And but even during that (laughs) perseverance period, I was still drawn back to the idea that I wanted to be sitting and I just couldn't get my work done while I was standing and I was still craving that old desk, even though I knew and could remind myself that I got those stiff hip flexors, that my lower back hurt, that I would fall asleep in the afternoon when I was trying to work on things. Even though all those negatives were happening, I was still drawn back to that comfortable sitting position, not because it was better for me. I knew it wasn't better for me, but because I because I was familiar and I was willing to put up with that discomfort, the hip flexor tightening and all of that kind of stuff, because it was known and comfortable. But luckily I pushed through it and with maybe it was ego, maybe it was because I made such a big deal of it and I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of all my coworkers because I got the standing workstation. But once I got through that discomfort, I haven't looked back. I'm still at a standing workstation and I do not regret it. It's a, it's been a good choice in my life. 
Well, I bet most of the people listening can think of an example of something that was very uncomfortable simply because it was new, felt awkward, felt unfamiliar. Maybe they even felt conspicuous, you know, Mm. Um, and and the temptation to go back to something that actually wasn't working all that well. But, you know, it's the devil, you know, right? You know, we often hear that about people who want to either quit drinking or just reduce the amount of alcohol that they're drinking, that they feel very conspicuous Mm, in mm -hmm. certain social social situations when they're the only one in the room who's drinking soda water instead of beer or wine or something like that and they feel like there's a lot of judgment being placed on them or that everybody is really aware of what they're they're doing and that discomfort can often drive them back to just giving in and having a drink whether somebody says something or if it's just that internal dialogue is irrelevant. So yeah, clearly, uh, if we want to create change in our lives, we're going to have to be willing to spend a little bit of time outside of our comfort zone. That's an interesting phrase that we hear a lot. And I think this is what we're talking about here. And some of it, I think, is that it's in order to change, we're going to have to do something new. And that means we can't be exactly sure what's going to happen. It's a little unpredictable. We can't predict the future, and humans love to be able to predict the future. That's one of the things that makes us feel comfortable, but sometimes it's one of the things that keeps us stuck. And maybe in there, too, is this idea, if I can't predict the future, that means I might fail. This might not work. And that can be super uncomfortable. And I think that's what it means to be outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, and again, like Monica said earlier, we're not encouraging you to just make yourself uncomfortable all the time. This isn't the point of this podcast isn't to to make yourself uncomfortable because, you know, comfort isn't bad. Discomfort isn't good and or vice versa. It really is variable. It's always going to to be different. So what I hope you're getting from from what we're saying so far is it's a spectrum. There, it's, it really is a spectrum. There isn't one right or wrong answer here. Well, I think it's really just about asking the question and not mm. just kind of falling into a default. I always choose the comfortable. I always avoid the uncomfortable, but stopping to poke around a little bit and, and see what your resistance to the discomfort might be about or your attachment to your comfort is about. It's not about just ignoring your judgment, your experience, taking unnecessary risks or putting up with something that's really not good. But I think there can be some ways to to get at what it's about. And one of my favorite ways to do it is just to try some word substitutions. Mm. You know, if the word that's coming to mind is, well, this is just so comfortable. Can you substitute the word? This feels nurturing. This feels rewarding. This feels good. Or is it maybe a better fit to say, yeah, this feels familiar, this feels predictable, and see which one of those words might be a better fit. And you can do the same thing when when you're feeling resistance, like, oh, I just don't feel comfortable with that. Okay, so does it feel unsafe? Does it feel ill-advised? Or does it just feel unknown? Does it feel a little Mm. scary? You know, there's a difference. And so sometimes just kind of uh, playing around with with words to see what resonates and whether that can shed any light can be really helpful. If you played that little word game in particular and you, you've established that it really is just a, a safety net that you're craving rather than, than something that's actually going to, <laughs> is ill-advised, then how do you embrace that discomfort? How do you move forward? And in cognitive behavior theory, there's a, a thing called the circle of disempowerment. Mm-hmm. It's a 
it's quite a quite a title, the Circle of Disempowerment. And They've you, got a name for everything. Yeah, and that's, I think that's what I like about it so much. <laughs> Makes you sound super smart when you can say that. Well, but, you are super smart. But thanks. But anyway, the Circle of Disempowerment, if you can picture it, sort of like picture a circle, and at the top of the circle, there's the uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. And then to the right on the circle, like kind of, I guess, the three o'clock or four o'clock spot on the circle is the feeling that is elicited. And and in terms of disempowerment, it's feeling like a victim or feeling victimized. Then over sort of in the, I guess that'd be the eight o'clock position-ish on the, on the circle is the comfortable habit. The thing that often happens is in our brains, we go directly from the uncomfortable situation to the comfortable habit. And we forget about taking a moment to to address or at least be aware of that second step, which is our our response to that uncomfortable situation. We just go straight to the reactions like, I feel uncomfortable, do something comfortable or do the habit that makes me feel like everything's going to be okay. And we've talked a lot about beliefs and challenging our own beliefs and being aware of our own beliefs to make better choices for ourselves. And in the same way that we want you to be aware of your beliefs I'm suggesting that in this in this circle of disempowerment, in that step when you're reacting to the uncomfortable situation and you feel like, oh no, I'm this is making me feel bad or this is making me uncomfortable. This is this is making me feel scared, whatever that feeling is, take a beat to to figure out if that middle step actually is meaningful or valid before you move to that next step, which is to perform that that habit or that comforting ritual that then makes you makes you feel like everything is going to be okay again. Yeah. Well, what if you were to take that that feeling of panic and oh no, you know, I'm out of control. I feel so uncomfortable and you were able to kind of flip it in your mind and say, you know what I'm really feeling is I'm curious. I don't know what's going to happen. I feel curious. Yeah. You know, what is going to happen next? Or I'm excited to find out how this works out. You know, maybe we can reframe that loss of control as as something that's actually kind of exciting. You know, we have a, an example I know we've used in the in the Wayless program before that if you are experiencing turbulence on a jet flight, most people find that extremely stressful mm-hmm. and and you're gripping your armrest and the person next to you and and whatever. <laughs> but the physical sensation of that turbulence is exactly the same as the physical sex sensation when you ride a big roller coaster and people pay money to do that. <laughs> because it's a thrill and it's exciting and it's a perfect example of how the same actual physical experience is interpreted by the brain differently because of the frame we put around it. So maybe we can just take that feeling like that sickening feeling like we are plunging without a parachute and turn it into a roller coaster ride that something exciting is going to happen at the end. Hopefully not a splat on the ground. Oh, dark. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good point. And also, I think part of that, I guess, is the expectation, too. Like when we get onto the airplane, we're expecting it to be comfortable and mm-hmm. not, not scary. But when we get onto the roller coaster, we are expecting it to be turbulent and, and bouncing. So if we've chosen to embrace this discomfort, we really do need to prepare ourselves for frustration and prepare ourselves for friction and remember that that's okay and that's all part of the adventure and not to let it derail you and there's actually a, a sort of a study that was done not that long ago about 
when we're having an uncomfortable conversation, let's say with somebody for the first 92% of that conversation, usually we're doing pretty well and stuff, but then there's the last 8% of the situation. I don't know exactly how they calculated this, but it's considered to be the last 8% of a difficult situation where we really fall apart. So again, just like expecting the ups and downs on the roller coaster, know that you're, there's going to be frustration, there's going to be friction, and it's all okay, and that there's going to be that last really difficult bit before we make our breakthrough. Mm. And if we're ready for that, I think it can really make the difference between us just turning around and running the opposite direction rather than, like the Navy SEALs say, running towards the gunfire. Mm. Well, just even knowing that, okay, here it is. I was ready for this. I knew that this you know, difficult moment would come or this moment when I felt like quitting or reverting back to what I know, even though I wasn't entirely happy there. I knew this was coming. I'm ready mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Right. Right. And I want to remind you too, when you encounter those times when you're feeling really uncomfortable and you've got the friction and the frustration is cropping up and you're feeling really scared, you're having those thoughts of what if this doesn't work Remember to flip that thought on its head, and there's always the other side. And that other side of that thought is, what if I actually excel at this? Mm-hmm. Like, what if this is one of the greatest things I've ever done for myself? What if this is the greatest experience of my life? What if this changes you in an absolutely beautiful way? Remember, there's always the flip side to that scary thought. Well, sure. If we're going to play what if, <laughs> why not consider some of the most awesome possibilities as, as well? Yeah, we're going to look at that in our lab experiment. Well, before we get to our lab experiment, let me see if I can wrap all of this up into a few takeaways. We had a lot of lot to say about comfort and discomfort, but here's here's what I took away from our conversation. One, things may feel comfortable simply because they're familiar and not because they're particularly desirable. Second thing, creating change makes things less predictable and this can feel very uncomfortable. That doesn't mean it's a bad idea. (laughs) I think you have to be willing to step outside your comfort zone, but that doesn't mean like being reckless with your Mm. future. That's not what we're suggesting. And, And finally, if your discomfort that you're feeling is really just a healthy fear of the unknown or fear of failure even, see if you can reframe it as curiosity or excitement. All right. So your lab experiment for this episode is, and you may have heard of this before, this is a, a not super common, but it's a relatively common technique for making decisions, and it's called the head-heart-gut technique, or the head-heart-gut decision-making process. And what that entails is you actually use this to de- decide whether or not the discomfort is, is worthwhile, or if it's something that you actually probably should avoid. And decision-making can actually involve different things, not only your cognition, which is the thing that we often think we're making decisions with, but there's also an emotion and intuition side of things. And this can be really handy when you're learning to discern the difference when you're doing what Monica said about having that curiosity and that excitement. It can be a really good tool to use to make sure that you're um, knowing the difference between purposeful and purposeless discomfort. So to do this, I want you to get out a piece of paper or you can use a spreadsheet app or whatever, whatever you like, and just make three columns. And the first one's going to be head. You're going to title it head. Second one, heart. And the last one, gut. And then I want you to think about 
an uncomfortable situation that you have actively been avoiding, maybe just in the last few days, maybe in the last few months, maybe the last few years. <laughs> and first, I want you to use your rational brain to consider what good could come from this discomfort and write that down. Then once you've exhausted the benefits that might come out of this, then do the same thing for what negative things might come out of this. And I want you to acknowledge what kinds of thoughts are present in relation to this current situation. Then we move over to the heart column and do the same thing. I want you to think about the values that you have in this situation, what you care about and what your deepest intention really is. And then with your gut, I want you to tune into those hunches and those intuitions that are present in relation to this current situation. And remember, don't judge or censor or shut yourself down in any of this process. Just write everything down that comes into your head, whether it's a pro or a con, and get it all onto paper before you make any, any judgments or cross anything out or erase anything. And then basically at this point, you probably have your answer right in front of you. Your gut probably has sorted it out. But if it hasn't quite yet, you can use all of that information that you gathered to make a good decision. Hopefully this uh, this head, heart, gut technique can help you decide which, uh, which things you should be embracing, which discomforts you should be embracing. All right. Well, we hope you have fun with this week's lab experiment. I know I have a few things that I'm going to be doing some head, heart, gut analysis on. And remember, you don't have to use it just on this stuff. It, it, you can use the, the head, heart, gut technique on anything in life. It's It really is just a, a really fun pros and cons list. Like what I'm going to have for dinner tonight? Sure. <laughs> but in the meantime, we hope that if you're enjoying this podcast, you have subscribed already on whatever app you like to listen to podcasts on. And if you had time to leave us a review or a rating, we would really appreciate that. As a new podcast, we're still trying to find our audience and those kinds of things really help. We have a newsletter that we send out whenever we release a new episode so that you don't miss one. And you can sign up for that at our website, which is changeacademypodcast.com. That's also where you'll go to get the show notes every week that always have the lab experiments if they go by too fast for you and any references that we've included. Also, an easy way to get in touch with us so that if you want to send us some, some thoughts or or the results of your experiment, just click the button and uh, we'd love to hear from you. And if you hang out on social media, like all the cool kids do, uh, <laughs> you'll find us um, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on all three platforms. We are at Change ACPOD, Change ACPOD. So, uh, so connect with us wherever you spend your time and we would love to connect with you there. So with that, we'll let you get at your lab experiment. We look forward to hearing back from you. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to embrace your purposeful discomfort. Thanks for coming.